standing up in McKinney. This is According to Kellis. This is a special episode, part one, of what is going to be two parts. They're going to be entitled State of Affairs. Uh, Part one is going to be the background and me, myself, taking ownership for whatever my contribution is. Uh, You be the judge of current state of affairs. And part two is going to talk about the actual issue as I see it. And it's a multiple part issue, if you will. So here we go today on with the show. And again, I apologize for missing two days, but I got to be honest, this, this is a big struggle. This is a, it's a uh, major challenge for me personally because, well, um, I'm just gonna be honest. I, I am fortunate that I have been involved for over 10 years. And I know a lot of these people that are involved with this. Some of these folks I would call friends. Some I would call uh, associates or allies. Some I would say are acquaintances. But at the end of the day, I always strive to get along and work with everybody that's on the team that is the Republican Party. And quite frankly, it is easier with some than others. And I have a strong alliance or maybe that's not the way. I have a strong affinity for a few people. And they have proven to have earned my affinity and my trust. And my default answer is always to give them extra grace. And there's a buy-in there, right? Doesn't mean they can't let me down. It doesn't mean that um, I'm never going to listen to any criticism. It just means that my default position is, unless proven otherwise, I trust them over whatever the nonsense is that I'm hearing. So let's go back to the beginning, as they say. Now, some of this has been covered, I'm sure, in previous episodes. Uh, Some of this is probably not hard to surmise, not a big secret. And for a good number of people that know me in real life, if you will, uh, not going to be a shock. I've had a longstanding process uh, or process, (laughs) a longstanding practice Whereupon I won't say something about somebody behind their back that I wouldn't tell them to their face if given the opportunity. And I stand by that. And I always try to be deferential and diplomatic when dealing with people, especially people that I respect, but I don't necessarily disagree with, or I don't necessarily agree with them. So if there's a disagreement with somebody that's a friend of mine or a close ally or associate, I'm going to avoid making an issue out of it unless it's a major faux pas in my opinion. Okay. So roughly 2012, uh, I got involved again. Now, when I say I got involved again, I need to rewind to my, uh, late teenage years or mid teenage years, if you will, back in my home state of Wisconsin, I had always been politically aware, politically active, trying to convince people that the things that were being done were not necessarily beneficial. They were harmful. And the guys with R's after their name typically were better than the guys with D's after their name. And in Wisconsin, 
at the time was pretty much a one-party state. I think at that time we might have actually had Tommy Thompson before I left. But as a governor, uh, I think it'd be fair to say he probably had more in common with a, a Mitt Romney than he would have had with uh, DeSantis or uh, Ted Cruz, if you will. The flavor, if you will. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that to disparage him because that's what he needed to do in order to win in Wisconsin. So that being said... Uh, I got involved in a campaign of a guy that wanted to run for Congress against our very long-term, very well-entrenched Democrat congressman. Now, even at that young age, I wasn't naive enough to think that it was going to be a win, but at least it would be a challenge. My my thought, and I, and I still feel this way by and large, is if somebody's doing a mediocre job at best, they need to be challenged, even if it's in their own primary, but especially the opposing party ought to be running against them. Now, at that time period, it was about a 58 or 59% pro-Democrat vote. So no matter what the Republican did, there's very little chance they were going to actually win, but they could go talk about issues. They could hold the opponent's feet to the fire, which was worthy. It was a good thing to do. So I, I handed out flyers. I did different things. And I really liked the guy. I thought quite highly of him. And he, and he didn't live too far from where I was. And, you know, and ultimately, he didn't win. Again, no giant surprise. And uh, life went on for me. And I went off into the service and came back home and then ended up moving to Texas. Well, somewhere along the line, he had run again. He had lowered his sights. And he made it into the uh, Wisconsin State House. And I was very glad to hear that. And from all that I'd heard, he did a good job. I mean, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. So this is a guy that held to his convictions and actually was successful. Now, clearly, I didn't live there anymore. And I really no longer had a vested interest directly with what went on in Wisconsin. Now, my family is there. My, extent, you know, my extended family is there. I've always had a certain love for my home state, but I'm a Texan. I'm a Texian. I'm here. Been here now longer than anywhere else I've been in my life. And I'm very proud of that. But you got to, I've got to be honest and admit my heartstrings get tugged, if you will, on occasion for my home state, my birth state, if you will. But I'm not willing to upend the state of Texas to protect or defend Wisconsin. That's, that's on Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> that's their responsibility. So in my home state of Texas, right? I've now been here 27 years, almost 26 years. Right. 1997 is when I moved here. Yeah. 26 years. It's 2023, Stephen, get it straight. You know, I, I got to say the uh, amount of heat <laughs> in the last few weeks has really kind of muddled things and really slowed me down, kind of got me off my game, which is why I've been, you know, sluggish getting some of these episodes out. So I apologize to that, that when real work that pays the bills, uh, that comes first and family responsibilities. So again, I'm just prefacing all of this. So it makes sense where I go next. So in 2012 and even back before that, 2008, there's this guy, a Congressman from Texas. He's all but a libertarian. Now, I think as time's gone on, he's proved out to be a much better libertarian than I am or was, right? Let's, I should use a correct phraseology. He is currently a better libertarian than I ever was. And he was still firmly a Republican. He gave me faith in the idea 
that you could be in the Republican Party and hold the values of liberty first and foremost and still be effective as a member of the Republican Party. I'd kind of lost faith in that because of what I had watched happen over the last 15 years or so since I, you know, had detached from Wisconsin. And I had renewed vigor and interest in what was going on. So I, I, you know, was a happy supporter. Of course, this is in the early days of uh, social media or anything like that. And there wasn't very little I could do as an individual. But then 2012 came and here's this guy running again, Ron Paul. So I showed up at the precinct um, convention. And at that precinct convention, I found out there's more of us Ron Paul people here than there are the rest of the party faithful. So we, we did a lot of different resolutions and ideas that we sent forth out of our uh, precinct convention. And then I learned about, well, actually there's a next step after this, the Senate convention. Well, I was all gung ho. I want to go to the Senate convention. That sounds great. We, we get a chance to be heard. And well, unfortunately for me, my employer needed me to work that Saturday. So I missed the Saturday convention. Now I did get there. I showed up late and it was already done. And it seems that the Mitt Romney folks had all but shut down the convention and Ron Paul's people kind of got mm, the short end of the stick. And again, this is roughly, uh, not, well, I guess 13, 13 years ago. No, boy, I got 11 years ago. Wow. Mental math is kicking my butt this morning. <laughs> so 11 years ago, this is going down and the gamesmanship had been, they, they've been outplayed. But here's the thing. The the people that were Ron Paul supporters, right? The Liberty Advocates, if you will, were like, okay, all right, we, we lost. They played some games. They, they abused the rules. They won. But guess what? We weren't going to go anywhere. We're going to double down. We're going to get involved. We, we now know how the structure of the party works. We now know how some of the mm, functionality is done. So the simplest way to deal with this is join the party, realize that we're a faction within the party and work with those in the party that agree with us on enough stuff that we can get stuff accomplished. And I'm using that word specifically because it's nebulous. We might agree on this issue, might not agree on this issue, but on the issues we agree upon, let's go for it. Let's get it done. So I want to say about 20, shortly thereafter, maybe 2014, uh, I got, inv- I got involved in a big way. I, I became a precinct chair somewhere in that near ballpark. And, uh, I don't remember the exact year. It's been a while, <laughs> it's approximately 10 years ago. But before that I was still active. I was still involved. I, I was campaigning for candidates. I was doing different things, uh, encouraging, promoting, working to get my preferred person across the finish line in the primaries. My mind then, as it is now, is I want the best liberty advocate that I can get to represent me in the party, whether it's at the county commissioner's race or the presidential race. The best guy is my goal. That's what I'm working towards, knowing that I'm not going to necessarily win, but if I'm not there advocating, I'm not there working towards that goal, it's never, ever going to move in my direction. And, you know, at this time, 
from, uh, I guess, let's just say 2013, so we can keep the round years, right? And, I, and look, this is not a testimony where I'm under oath. If I get the dates off a little bit or I'm not entirely accurate, that's okay. I'm not trying to prove a point or say I'm right, you're wrong. This is more of a just a story of how did we get here? What's been going on? What was my involvement? What was my piece of this, right? And, and this is my firsthand account of how things have played out and what I see, what I've heard the involvement. Why? Because you have to have a certain amount of involvement to have an opinion or a strong opinion on certain things because that proves out that you were there. You understand what's going on. You know what the importance of the issue is. So I think I've done that. I've been as involved as I could be raising two daughters, trying to be a good husband and still working a regular job. Now, if you've ever wondered why politics is dominated by semi-retired people at the local level or people that don't have to work, if you prefer, and why people with deeper pockets tend to be the ones that represent us in office, well, I'll tell you, it's because they have the time and they have the money to invest. And I'm not bitter about that, nor should you be. It's just what it is. You need to work with these people and learn how it works and be engaged and partner with them. There's no shame in understanding that somebody's in a better position to do something than you are. So over this uh, period of time, I worked hard. I got involved. I spent time, I went to the executive committee means, I got to know the people, I got to meet other elected officials, I was involved in the McKinney Tea Party when they were still around, and eventually I joined the leadership team there, and we did a lot of things that we were looking to hold elected officials' feet to the fire, but also encourage them to do a better job and support them when they did a good thing or when they did several good things, and it was very encouraging, you know? 2016, 2018, things were looking good. Things were positive. 2014. Now, I'm going to set aside the whole Trump ordeal. That was an interesting scenario all to its own and not directly responsible or related to anything that's playing out because most of this is right here at the local level, at the basest level. So, again, being involved in uh, leadership, being involved in the party, Different candidates come up and they're new blood. They want to, they want to do better things. They're, they're definitely more quote unquote conservative. And I'm going to use the word conservative in that the sense that these guys actually have values that I agree with. Maybe not hundred percent, but certainly more than I would agree with their opponents in a primary. So of course, these are people I support that they want their want. There, there's some friendships that are born and some, you know, meetups that happen. And I got to say early on, Hey, I was, I was quite pleased. Look at, we've got state reps. They show up, they come tell us what's going on. They're involved. They want to, they want to do better. They want to protect Texas. And look, look, we've got several members of the commissioner's court. They're involved. They want to do what's best. They're trying to protect our banks or not our banks, but our, our personal bankrolls, right? They're not wanting to raise taxes for no reason. They're doing their best to aggressively protect our liberty in our pocketbooks. This, this is great. Something changed. I don't know if it happened in 2018 or 2020. I suspect most of it came about in 2019 and 2020. Now, 
I want to be honest. If we reel all the way back to 2012, when I was, when I was just getting involved, I came in with the attitude of these guys, a lot of the elected officials, party leadership, however you wanted to find that these guys don't really seem concerned about we, the people, they want to protect the status quo. They want to, you know, go along to get along. Oh, that was a rephrase that I used often. And it was frustrating. We can't get anything done because you don't push these guys. You don't make them do what they said they were going to do. And I'm going to tell you as a young precinct chair or a new precinct chair, I kind of took offense at it. And I, I got quite aggressive in conversations and I pushed the point and I was proud. I thought I was doing a good thing. And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't in retrospect. Maybe I turned off as many people as I brought on board. I don't know. I haven't had all those conversations, but again, this is all going to a point. So as, as I stayed involved, as I learned things, as I saw how things were working, it became clear to me, there are people here that actually agree with me, know what they're doing. And they're being a little more cautious. They're being a little more pragmatic. I want to do this, but I know I can only get this. And if I can get these people to agree to this, that puts me closer to that, right? So for instance, my big issue back in the day, and it still is, but my big issue is I wanted constitutional carry. Everywhere I would go, every elected official I'd speak to, especially at the state level, when are we going to get constitutional carry? I don't understand why we don't have constitutional carry. This is Texas. We love our guns. What's the problem here? Why don't we have constitutional carry? And I got to be honest, the answer I usually got from Scott Sanford, and I'm not bringing that up to throw him under the bus, not at all. He was quite honest. Stephen, I don't think we have the votes for that. I'm not even sure that my district necessarily wants that, but I don't have a problem with it, but I'm not going to stick my neck out. And this is my interpretation. So, Scott, I'm not trying to disparage you. I thought you were being quite honest. Hey, Stephen, you know, I don't I don't oppose it, but I don't think it can get done. Okay, I, I, I can accept that. And, of course, this is, you know, eight, ten years ago. So I, I'm not holding that against him. I certainly don't, you know, I'm not trying to beat him up. But that was my elected official, and that was the first guy I went to. And I talked to the other ones, and I got similar answers. Now, whether or not I, at that time, I wanted to believe them or not is kind of irrelevant. I didn't like it, but I saw it as my duty to make sure that they understood that the people in their district or the people in the county wanted constitutional carry. So each year or each session, if you will, we moved closer and closer. Now in 2021, we got the faux constitutional carry. Now, I got to be honest, and I did talk to my former representative, Scott Sanford, and he said, Stephen, you know, we got you what we could get. And, it, you know, and, it, and again, this isn't a personal thing. It's just, the, you know, the conversation that was heard. And, and I don't, again, I'm not saying it to disparage him. I actually respect the heck out of the guy. I thought he did a good job. I wish he would have had a little more fire in his belly. And I told him that, but you know, that's not his nature. That's, I, I shouldn't expect something out of somebody that's not the way they are. Me, on the other hand, I had to learn to tone it down. So, <laughs> but so, I mean, it was gracious and the guy did an excellent and honorable job for us. And, I, and I'm glad that he's been able to sail off into the sunset and I wish him and his family well. They're great people. 
But this was my issue. This was the thing that I was kind of always pushing on him for. But he held his ground and he said, look, we're going to get you what we can, you know, but I don't make that decision. This decision's made by a hundred other people. And then there's 30 in the Senate. They all have their say. Just because we want something doesn't mean we get to have it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good point. And honestly, that was a major learning experience for me over that period of time. You have to hold your principles. You have to know what you want. You have to push towards what you want, but you also have to be willing to accept, I made two steps in that direction. Now, maybe I ended up taking a step back, but did I get positive movement towards that direction? And it's aggravating and it's slow. And it's really, quite frankly, not doing us a lot of favors a lot of times. But if that's the way the process works, that's the way the world works, then that's where we're at. For years and years and years, we we fight and we fight and we fight and fight and we get a major win. And the default answer is it isn't everything I wanted. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. And again, I get it. That was me 10 years ago from right now, 2023, 10 years ago, that was me. I was right there with you. Dang it. We didn't get everything we wanted. It's a failure. We got, it's an absolute failure. We didn't get everything. Well, okay. But 10 years later, I've come to the understanding that's not the way things work. Not in the legislature, not in the real world, nowhere, not even in business. Even when you win, you don't get everything you want. It's part of a negotiation, right? It's the tactics. So giving you that background, giving you the modified approach. And I've been also honest in the, on this program with people I talk about. I don't identify as a libertarian anymore. I do say I'm a liberty advocate advocate. I do say I'm, you know, hardcore on liberty, but I'm a Republican and I'm a Republican for a number of reasons. But one, I just want to get stuff done. And that's the party that for better, for worse, is in charge. And you know what? They allow me to operate. They encourage me to operate within the bounds of the party because we're on the same team. We're not going to be 100% on the same page, but we're on the same team. So again, why all this background? Why have I been going on for 20 minutes? That's just to say, one, I'm not innocent. I've got my full pause. I've got my oversteps. I've got my, you know, personal angst or whatever involved in some of these situations. So I can't always be 100% objective. Now I do do my best to step back and try and look at the big picture. And sometimes it's harder than others, but, but I want to be fair and even handed to everybody. I believe in a fair game. One of the things that I've always prided myself on is one, I don't get offended if somebody disagrees with me. Now, some people in my family might claim otherwise, but yes, because I do expect more from my family. I do I do expect more from my extended family. And quite frankly, sometimes friends that I think were completely sympathetic or simple, well, in total agreement, I get a little frustrated when I find out there's a difference. But it's not personal. I don't hate on them. Hey, they're still my friend. They're still family. I'm going to push on them because I know them well and because they're family. I know I can push on them. And hopefully they can give me a good reason or a good excuse or explain to me where they're coming from. And if I understand that and I get that, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I don't agree with you and I can give you this a bit of information, maybe changes your mind, or at least I can respect where you're at. Because I try to be respectful with people that disagree with me. I try to always have the attitude that I don't require you to be 100% agree with me or agreement with me. You're free to have your own thoughts. 
I train both my daughters to, hey, you know what? Your dad doesn't always get everything right. And if you disagree with me, you need to let me know. As long as you have a good reason why you think the way you think, I'll respect it. I might, I might push on you. I might give you a little grief. I might challenge you. But if you have a good reason and you feel firm in your conviction and you can hold your own, I'll respect that. Absolutely. Just like I do with all my friends and my extended family. So, look, I never want to take a political disagreement personally. I I do everything I can to avoid people personally or avoid uh, attacking or dis- besmirching somebody personally. Now, I might have I might have a special carve out for the representative of HD67, but that would be a separate issue and honestly there's some mm, Democrats that I will occasionally uh make uh, fun of or go a little personal on, but only because they deserve it. (laughs) But as a general rule, we keep to the facts, we keep to the principles, and we move forward. And honestly, I got to, honestly, at this point in time, after 10 years of effort, negotiating, networking, helping people that are good principled people, even if we're not 100% in agreement, but they have the similar values, we're on the same team, Yeah, and I'd like to think I've helped to stack the deck to be pro-liberty. Now, some of those people that are on my team, well, they have a different view of liberty. Maybe they're not absolute. Maybe they're a little squishy on this, that, or the other thing. But generally, they promote liberty. They want to protect liberty. The liberty to spend your money as you see fit. The liberty to keep as much money in your pocket as you can. The liberty to freely associate with others and the liberty to disagree and still be part of the team. That's what I want. We, we, as a party, as the Republican party, that is a major problem we have. And that's why I'm bringing up these two episodes. I wanted to lay the foundation of my involvement, my, my background. How did I get here? And why am I speaking on this issue? Now, keep in mind at some point, I'm going to probably want to step up my game. I'm going to find a way to serve my community better. That may mean I run for political office. That may mean I move further up in the party. It may mean that uh, I take leadership somewhere else doing something else. It's, It's not some overarching ambition that I must do this or I see life as a failure. It just seems to be a natural progression of where I think I would go and, and serve our community well. But there's no hard and fast path because I don't control the world. <laughs> and what what disappoints me is there are a number of people that are on my team that think they can and should control everything around them. But more on that later. So again, this is part one. The whole point is, who's Steven? How did we get here? And where are we going? Okay? So if I may, at some point I'm going to get to speak to my party And I plan on opening with an intro similar to this, the who, the what, and the why. So who I am is Stephen Callis, father of two, husband of one, loyal Texian, loyal husband, and Navy veteran, protector of liberty and justice. Now that sounds a little over the top, doesn't it? Sounds a little ridiculous. Sounds like I'm promoting myself as a superhero. No, no, I'm not. I'm just laying the groundwork. 
Because if you don't know who I am and you don't know what I stand for, you're not going to necessarily listen to anything I have to say. Now, the what? So I gave you the who. I gave you the what. The what is, I want to promote liberty. I want to protect liberty. And I want to work through this party and come up with a better way of doing things so that we can get there. And sometimes that means disrupting things a little bit. Sometimes that means trying different ideas. Sometimes that means being a little uncomfortable. That means I might be uncomfortable, but you might also be uncomfortable. That's the what and the why. Because if we don't win, if we don't continue to maintain some control over our county, over our state, and indeed have some involvement in our city, the leftists will win and they will not respect you or anything else. In the, in the name of diversity, they'll destroy everything in their way. In the name of equity, they will take everything you have. Make no mistake, the why is the most important part of this. We have to win. Okay, that's where I'm going to leave it. Please come back, join me for part two. This will come out uh, probably two o'clock on Saturday and part two will be two o'clock on Sunday. And why did I do this? Well, first of all, I knew I was going to do this on Thursday morning and I just could not wrap my head around how and why I was going to do this without naming names and creating a bigger firestorm. And I want to avoid that. I truly want us to work on things. And two... There's a certain level of mental exhaustion that goes on dealing with problems, dealing with work, dealing with a podcast, <laughs> dealing with this political stuff and people, they're not always easy to deal with and you just need to take a break. So with that, this is the end of part one and until tomorrow, I'll see you on the other side.